Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. edition because life is crazy your boy was tired matt had jet lag so we're a little bit delayed but we're here and it's episode 552 of underground sports philadelphia presented by the city of Vineland. it's kb coming at you from underground studios and joining me this week back on the main pod i think for the first time digitally maybe we'll have to we'll have to fact check that but it is the one and only future alaskan resident if we don't get to a thousand subscribers before his birthday it's dj dj 1k baby get us there y'all know how cold i get like i'm just sitting in my own house wearing a windbreaker like you cannot send me to alaska i was watching jeopardy today and one of the like answers that they show on the thing they have to respond to the question obviously you intellectuals that's how jeopardy works uh was talking about the anchorage airport and i was like that's where deach is gonna be flying into from massachusetts on september 4th if we don't get to a thousand subscribers did you see uh the other day there was a question about kalamazoo and there was a girl who went really? to kalamazoo college and didn't know the answer it was like what it was like U.S. cities or whatever, and it was like, what city is known as like the mall city, but also the city of celery, They're like the celery city, and obviously it's Kalamazoo, but like none of them knew the answer. One person said Detroit, the other said Minneapolis. First off, it said what Michigan city, and the other person said Minneapolis, and I said definitely in Michigan. To the gulag you go, <laughs> bang. <laughs> We have a lot to get into from the fight in Phil's to me just being absolutely exhausted by the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, we're going to talk about some of these new NFL uniforms that have been dropping over the past couple of days and kind of put them in a tier ranking. There's a football immaculate grid that we have to do because it's new. We have to get into it. And Deej is going to get introduced to his first brink bonk bump. Can't wait to see who DJ had lined up for that. But before we get into everything, make sure you guys are following us on the socials. That includes Twitter, Instagram, threads, and TikTok at underground PHI, facebook.com slash underground sports PHI and twitch.tv slash underground sports PHI. You can follow DJ on Twitter at SCS underscore next. Great. You can follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL three one one subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the podcast feed on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We're there. Leave a five-star rating and review. It goes a long way for helping this show continue to grow. It helps our entire network continue to grow. And DJ, I got to say, I'm putting this out there for the future potential advertisers. I did this on Sunday with Pitts, and the numbers have increased even more. Our downloads over the last 30 days have increased 1,135%. So shout out to everybody listening on audio recently. 
That's crazy. As a man in radio. That's crazy. You you know how important ratings are. (laughs) More important than anything. That's how you really get your money. If you got good ratings, you can sell to anybody. So we're up almost 1,200% in downloads on audio. So keep it coming. Subscribe on Apple and Spotify. Please leave a five-star rating and review, too, because that also helps. It helps us get on the charts, uh, where we are currently in the top 1,500 USA sports podcasts. So there it is. Keep it pushing. And, of course, subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. That's where you get full video episodes of this show twice a week. You get full video episodes of damn near every show on our network, which includes the Outside the Box podcast with myself and Deej. That includes Top Bins with Matt and Dom, Streamer Season with myself, Christian Dillon, F1 Underground with Casey and Owen, Get in the Hole with Steve and Ben, all the content. On our YouTube channel, you get shorts, clips, live streams, any original video content. It's going on our YouTube channel. We are currently at 516 subscribers. Need to get to 600 ASAP. No Rocky. And we need to get to 1,000 before DJ's birthday on September 4th. Otherwise, when we're done at Gillette Stadium, he's flying to Alaska instead of Kalamazoo. He's not even going to be able to pack up his bags at his house and pack everything. He's going to have to get it shipped. Do you know how expensive it is to ship things to Alaska? Do you want Deej to have to ship his bed to Alaska? I don't think so. Don't do that to me. That'd be terrible. I'd literally cry. I'd literally cry. You guys think Kalamazoo is cold. Just wait until DJ has to experience like six months of the year just being pure darkness. We don't want that for our boy. Good thing I'm not scared of the dark anymore. YouTube subscribers, I would look at you and be like, look at how they massacred my boy. (laughs) I'm going to show up. (laughs) I'm going to show up for championships next year, and you're going to be like, who is this? You're going to have one of those, like, hardcore, like, snow hats on. You're going to have the Kenny from South Park jacket just all tied up on your face. You thought I was bugging last year wearing hoodie and hoodie and uh, pants. I'm going to show up in a sweat, a snowsuit. It's going to look like the Stay Puff Marshmallow. So subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, let's make that happen. Uh, so DJ doesn't have to move to Alaska. And of course, like I mentioned too, this podcast presented by the city of Vineland. Whether you're a company looking to expand, relocate, or you're a new business startup, selecting the right location is critical to your success. Vineland, New Jersey offers both an affordable business location and an excellent quality of life. The city's economic development department is a one-stop source for moving your project through the development and approval process. And their goal is to make this process as smooth as possible while providing the fastest turnaround times in the region. If you're considering potential locations for your operation, contact the Vineland Economic Development Team at 856-794-4100. That's 856-794-4100. Vineland, New Jersey, where it's always growing season. And big thank you to Security 21 Security Systems and Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated for their continued support of this podcast. Deej. The fighting fills. They 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 let us down this week uh, at home as they um, 
They lose two out of three to the Milwaukee Brewers. It's brought to you by our awesome merch partners at PHI Apparel Company. The best in the game. There's no doubt in our minds. You guys will stand out in the crowd with their unique designs for all of our Philly sports fans and fans of this podcast network. Go to phiapparel.co. Check out everything they have to offer from our podcast merch to, hey, Eagle season's right around the corner, and Deej has seen the Philly dog shirt. Tell the people at home that shirt's not fire. Oh, one of the best shirts I've seen in the, in the recent months. Well, sports shirts. One of, the, one of the best sports merch shirts I've seen in the recent months. If you are a true Eagles fan or you're one of those weird down south SEC Georgia fans, that is definitely a shirt for you. So definitely go cop that. Go to phiapparel.co. Use code UNDERGROUND to get 10% off any and all merch orders. It's the most effective and direct way to support everything we're doing here at Underground Sports Philadelphia. Let's us keep doing dope stuff for you guys uh, that we want to do as well. Like, we want to do dope stuff. We don't want to just sit around and do nothing. We want to do awesome stuff with you guys. Uh, so go to phiapparel.co and use code UNDERGROUND for 10% off your order. Unfortunately, the Phils lose two out of three to the Brewers. Um not ideal, not great, because um, you want to win every series. You want that you want to win two out of three. You don't want to lose two out of three, especially against a team that is right there in the thick of the wild card hunt with you as they're trying to win their division. They're a team you're battling with outside of your typical teams in the division. Um, luckily, the Miami Marlins coming out of the all-star break have just been on an absolute cliff dive uh they've lost six in a row they're two and eight in their last 10 so the losses haven't truly hurt the phillies uh per se as they are still uh by 0.001 in the win uh percentage column ahead of the marlins in the wild card standings uh philly sitting at 52 and 44 marlins at 53 and 45 so at least the marlins are losing while you lose as well um Brewers, though, they're in first place in their division, so that kind of evens things out there. So now you're battling the Reds in the wild card. But those are the types of games that Matt and I always talk about, especially when it comes to the division, you know, when it's the Marlins, when it's the Mets, when it's the Nationals. Now it's also when you play teams like the Giants, the Brewers, the Reds, uh, even the Padres. Like when you took three out of four from the Padres, that was huge. When you play teams like the Cubs, when you play teams like the Dodgers, you have to beat those teams so you stay in this wild card mix. Because of the expanded wild card, you get helped. But if you want to be in the mix, you know, as the trade deadline gets closer and closer, right now as we record this, we're, you know, two weeks away pretty much. August 1st is your trade deadline this year. You want to be as close to be like separating yourself from some of these other teams that are behind you, you know, like the Marlins, like the Reds, even the Padres and the Cubs, who are only six and a half out in the wild card. Like, those are teams that are like, hey, maybe we still have a chance to to get in this thing if we buy a piece. But you want to push those teams down as far as possible, push yourself in a position to make an even better trade and go get a better player to improve this roster. Um, so losing two out of three of the Brewers is not great. Especially in terms of uh, a team like the Reds, who are like their team is, is pretty solidly built. Like they haven't quite found their stride, but they do get hot at times and they are able to put quite a few series together and before you know it Phillies might be behind them pretty soon um so you have a pretty good standpoint on wanting to get into the groove 
I honestly think looking at how long the baseball season is, June, like the middle of June to the middle of August are like the most important games you're going to play. Those are the ones where Outside people of kind of, yeah. yeah, like that. Well, but everybody's trying to play their best ball in September. Right. Like people kind of get lax in that time and, and people are kind of just like in a rhythm. That like time frame shows like, you who's really a contender and who's a pretender. Yeah, because teams kind of just fall to the wayside and get a little comfortable in, like, who the team is, how often they're playing, their rotations, all those kind of things. When you play well during that standpoint, that's when you start to really take a jump on teams or you can afford to have a little bit of an okay September. If you have an okay stretch during that point, an okay September, you're in – worry of not making wild card or the playoffs in general. So I think teams that can focus on this time during the season are in the best position to do well come playoff time. And I don't think the Phillies have been necessarily doing bad in in this stretch, but they're not – I don't think they're playing to their full potential either. Um, Yeah. But I'm also like outside fan looking in. Like, not super fan of the Phillies, not watching them uh, on a consistent basis, really just scoreboard watching and watching Schwarber have one out of every four games be a good one on my fantasy team. Other than that, I'm kind of outside looking at it. So it looks like they're in a fair position, but they may, and they're not necessarily taking advantage of what they have, but that also may be fair weather outside looking in information. Yeah, and I mean, like, I agree. Like, they haven't played to their full potential. You're still dealing with injuries. You're still, you know, figuring out Bryce Harper playing at first base so you can open up other things. Like, Dave Dombrowski talked on uh, John Heyman's podcast earlier this week and said, you know, they are still trying to get Bryce to first base, which then allows you to put Kyle Schwarber at your DH spot, which opens up a position in left field, which would be huge for this team. If you can go and get an everyday, solid, above-average defensive left fielder to take Kyle Schwarber out of the field that's going to improve your lineup defensively and offensively because you're also putting another bat in there that can play left field and one of the guys that I've talked about that is on my dream wish list for this trade deadline for the Phillies is current Chicago Cub former LA Dodger former rookie of the year Cody Bellinger Cody Bellinger would be such a great fit for this team and according to MLB trade rumors um I mean, Cody Bellinger is going to be a hot name for sure at this trade deadline. He's on an expiring contract. He's playing really well, having a bounce back here for the Cubs. But MLB trade rumor said any interest on Philadelphia's part would probably be contingent on Bryce Harper holding up at first base. If the Phils are convinced he's an everyday option there, they could kick Kyle Schwarber to DH and leave open a corner outfield spot for Bellinger. The Phils could also pursue Bellinger as a first base option if Harper can't play the field, though that would leave Schwarber in the corner outfield spot. It might not be the top priority. Rotation depth and perhaps third base are bigger concerns. Third base is not a concern. Alec Bohm is a fucking gold glover. Go go kick rocks. Um, but it'd be viable if Harper can uh, play defense there and Phil's president of baseball operations. Dave Dombrowski has never been afraid to push in for big names. I mean, Bellinger missed a month due to injury, but in 63 games he slashed 308, 365, 523, 888, has 12 home runs and 35 RBIs. That'll play at Citizens Bank Park. Cody Bellinger would be 
beloved here. He has a mutual option on his contract for next year too. So it's not exactly a rental. Um, and if you can do a package for Bellinger and Stroman potentially, or you go call the White Sox and go get Dylan Cease, who I would absolutely love in this rotation. Like those are your two priorities, getting one of these bats at either at first base or in the outfield. So if Harper can hold up at first base and then you need to go get another starting pitcher, in my opinion, Andrew painters out for the year, he's getting Tommy John surgery now. So he's going to miss all of next year too, which is a bummer. Um, should have got the surgery in March, just saying, but when he comes back in 2025, he's still only going to be 22 years old. So that's not a, a massive, you know, hit to to his stock in my opinion i think in 2025 was the more viable option for him to be an everyday starter in the rotation to begin with um but now that that's out nola's been up and down this year wheeler's been up and down this year you need to go get another starter in this rotation to to really solidify it for that type of stretch run that you mentioned you know from your late july through all of august you need a core rotation in order to to compete, to stay in this wild card hunt. You still have key games uh, on your schedule against the Marlins, the Mets. Uh, you still play the Padres one more time this year. Like you, you've got to have as much ammunition to go out there and compete against these teams in these most important times of the year to get ready for September and hopefully go on another world series run. And I mean, isn't that what you're looking for? Um, it is a World Series run. You're trying to put that that team back together, even in terms of the injuries and other problems that have kind of gone on this season. They're still in a pretty good position to do so. I'm, you know how I feel in terms of regular seasons and like how this stuff fares out. Playoffs are just a matter of getting there. I don't think mm -hmm. there's like a surefire. Oh, the one beats the eight. That kind of thing. Like you just got to get there, and then the Look best teams play there. Their best teams play the best ball at the end of the season when they should. Um, so that's my philosophy on that. I think they're doing a great job of putting themselves in a position to at least be in the playoffs so that they can play their best ball when they need to. Um, but looking at the options, I think you almost have to like force Bryce's hand and be like, look, you need to go to first base. Like this isn't a. Which he's totally willing to do. I think it's just a. I think it's a more managerial slash front office thing to make sure that he is good there so that no re-aggravation of the injury happens. That's fair. Um, but, I mean, I just think it's also you, you come at him with that, but also kind of maybe you lead with how much it benefits the team. Which he knows. Like, Bryce Bryce is the one who volunteered this idea to begin with, which just shows you Bryce Harper's biggest fucking team guy on the planet. Um, but that like that is such a huge thing is because he's never played first base before. So seeing proof that he can do it, I think, is the bigger question. It's like, can he play defensively at first base? I think Bryce Harper could, you know, pick the world up and – carry it on his back if you ask him to do it because that's just the type of person he is but is it realistic for you know two and a half months to have Bryce Harper playing a position that he's never played and you kind of putting all your eggs in that basket without a true contingency plan behind him 
I think that's a huge question that Dave Dombrowski has to answer too, is like, do I go and make a trade for a bench bet that's also a first baseman who can play defensively at first base and spell Bryce Harper there? That's that's going to be the true interesting part, I think, of this trade deadline is how they approach the positions of need and where they go to potentially acquire those positions. I think you stay away from first base because, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, um, that's where Reese plays. Yeah, and the soonest he can come back is the World Series. Right. Not not saying it's not a, a, a need this year, but I think you have pieces that can fill that need for now. And I would go and get an outfielder. Unless it's Bellinger, and, and, like, who can play both. Like, that's the type of trades I think you need to make, too, is guys who can play. If you're going, like, bat-wise, you need guys who can play multiple positions. Because the, the depth pieces this Phillies team has had between Josh Harrison, Derek Hall, you know, they they have not been the, the best of the best in terms of just, like, what you've wanted from them production-wise. Cody Clemens has performed well above the stratosphere I think anybody had for him. But he's also Cody Clements. Like, he's going to have those spells where he gets cold and you need to have another person there. And right now, for whatever reason, the Phillies don't have that. Um, so you need to approach this trade deadline, I think, more meticulously than you did last year. Absolutely. Um, I think you have to go in knowing exactly what you want and, and who you want and pretty much – throw the kitchen sink at it and pray that it gets picked up. And if not, then you make adjustments moving around. Maybe you have a few backup trades that kind of can fo- like fulfill the need to a smaller extent and kind of can just substitute, I guess, mm-hmm. until you can figure something else out. But I think you go I, – I almost – when it comes to free agency and stuff, I'm almost a guy where – you find one guy and you just throw absolutely everything at him. And you have a list of like other guys mm-hmm. that aren't as highly touted as this person. And so you just go at this guy until they pick somewhere and If they don't pick you, then you kind of go with these other guys and you have some things to throw at them. But I uh, trade deadline is the same thing. Like I think you pick one person and you really go at one team and you just keep throwing different combinations until they say yes. And I just think that's the best way to go about it instead of trying to shop the market mm-hmm. and, and look for what you can get by. Go for what you want. And that's the thing, too. Like, there's so settle. many teams that are still in contention right now that, like, the trade deadline's going to be competitive. So you have to have options lined up across the board because some of these other teams that are ahead of you, even in the American League, have more to offer to say a Chicago White Sox for Dylan Cease, for Lucas Giolito. You know, you look at the Orioles, you look at the Yankees, who even though the Yankees are in last place, like they're fighting for a wild card spot. You look at uh, a team like Tampa Bay, who they're having an unbelievable year. This might be the year they finally splurge and trade some of these prospects for a big name to add to that lineup. You look at um, Toronto, you look at the Dodgers, you look at the Diamondbacks. The, the Giants are in the mix, the Marlins, the Reds. Like, there's so many teams that are still fighting for playoff spots that, like, it's going to be a competitive trade deadline. But also, you look at the teams that are kind of dead in the water and out of it. The Mets, the Cardinals, the Pirates, the Nationals, the Rockies in the National League. 
uh, the A's, Kansas City, the White Sox. And depending on how they play over the next 10 to 12 games, could go one way or another for your Detroit Tigers. They could either be in the mix for the division title or they could be sellers. So they're kind of on the fence right now. But there's so many teams still in the mix in the American League, too, that like all these teams are going to be calling for players. And it's it's such a small pool now because you have pretty much half the league fighting for a playoff spot. So you're, you're going to have to be competitive. You're going to have to be smart with the decisions you make. And I think you have to have probably an A tier, a B tier, and a C tier setup of trade deadline targets and decide where you want to throw your darts at the dartboard um, that are going to be the smartest for you, not only for this year, but in the long term too, when you're trading prospects, when you're trading players away, you need to make sure that it's not going to set you up for failure down the line as well. Um, but I, I mean, from what Dave Dombrowski has done since he's been here, I trust him 110% to get, players on this team that will improve this Phillies roster for the important parts of the season and make them uh, a competitor going into the postseason. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know um, who the Phillies have most in mind um, and then kind of who's ahead of them in terms of what they have to offer that person. But man, they—they they, in my opinion, they have some serious options out there that can really help, and and they're in a position right now where they're in the wild card. Um, so you want to at least, in my opinion, they should make at least a move, and even if they make one and shuffle the team around, I think they're in a better position than they are now, and they can start to really polish their machine in terms of getting back to the World Series. Yeah, and I mean, they 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 clearly have to make a move, and I'm gonna let everybody in on a, in on a secret right now. Shohei Otani's not coming to the Phillies. He's not getting traded. Nolan Arenado is not getting traded to the Phillies. Paul Goldschmidt is not getting traded to the Phillies. So take those all off of your board because they're not going to happen. They are the most lunatic on a different planet type of trades and trade proposals that I've seen, like I got to read this one to you because you will, you will laugh your ass off at this. So I will preface who some of these players are for you since some of them are uh, prospects trade package for Shohei Otani from the Phillies uh, who could, this is a, this is a total fake tweet breaking angels outfielder Shohei. the funny part is Shohei's not an outfielder he's a fucking dh and a pitcher uh he's just Otani. a baseball he's a baseball player yeah he's an athlete um, yes baseball athlete <laughs> could be traded to the philadelphia phillies as early as this weekend trade package discussed alec bohm andrew painter who's injured and needs tommy john surgery justin crawford ranger suarez and mick abel who is our number two pitching prospect behind painter. I'm told that this is currently the best offer that LA angels has received. And I'll tell you, I'll tell everybody this, you know, you know, who's per sources, <laughs> just trust me, dog. That's one of those tweets. Like 
no, like even, even that type of trade package where you have three of your top prospects involved, you have Alec Bohm, who's young, Ranger Suarez, that's still not enough for Shohei Otani. Like, that's not going to get a deal done. It's crazy to even hypothetically think about a trade package for Otani. It's not going to happen. You're not going to trade for Goldschmidt. You're not going to trade for Arenado. They're both older. They're both owed tons of money. You're not going to do that. It just doesn't make any sense to me. A guy like Cody Bellinger makes a ton of sense. A guy like, even though I'm not the biggest fan of that that proposal, a guy like Tommy Pham from the Mets makes a ton of sense for the Phillies. A guy like Hunter Renfro from the Angels makes a ton of sense for the Phillies. Those are the types of guys that Phillies fans should be looking at in terms of, you know, bats coming in. Uh, for this team, a guy like Brandon Drury makes a ton of sense for the Phillies for an infield perspective. Um, so those are the types of players you should be keeping an eye on. Pitching-wise, though, I think it's wide open. Like, the the pitchers that the Phillies could go out and acquire could be literally anybody from Stroman to Dylan Cease, Lucas Giolito, Lance Lynn. Uh, Bullpen-wise, Carlos Estevez from the Angels is a guy I would really love on this team. Um, you know, you, you look at... Uh, the Colorado Rockies, Herman Marquez, potentially. You look at some of the pitchers from Pittsburgh. Um, you look at a, a Jordan Montgomery from St. Louis, Jack Flaherty, even though I wouldn't be a biggest fan of him coming to the Phillies because of his injury history. That's another name to look out for. Um, you know, there's, there's tons of potential here. And, I mean, if Cleveland continues to skyfall, Shane Bieber's a name to keep an eye on, like, the pitching market is going to be the most fascinating. And not that I think they're going to come to Philly because I don't think the Mets would send these guys there. You also you also got to look at Scherzer and Verlander. You know, they're older. The Mets are sky falling and pretty much out of it at this point. You want to unload those contracts to a team that's in contention. That's two guys that bigger market teams like the Dodgers, like, you know, the, the Texas Rangers, the Astros, like, could be potentially trading for, which opens up more opportunity for you to go and get a Giolito, a Cease, a Stroman, or something like that. So the pitching market's going to be interesting and fascinating to watch as the trade deadline gets closer. I can't wait. I love the baseball trade deadline, especially when it's active. Like, it is easily the best trade deadline, I think, in the four major sports with basketball right there. But with baseball, it's so much more fun because there's no salary cap that you have to match. It's just players and prospects and all this kind of stuff moving around. And, you know, everybody's waiting for that 4 o'clock deadline to hit and watching to see if the, the fax machine went through before the 4 o'clock deadline. Like, I love the baseball trade deadline. I mean, it's a lot of fun. Um, and, and watching, like you said, with baseball, there's no salary cap. So it's really just a matter of owners, players, agents all like getting together and just finding what works. And sometimes it just amazes you that a team goes after someone. Yes. And you're like, no way did they spend their time and money on this guy or, or somebody signed somewhere that you're not expecting them to. And you're like, what are they throwing their career away? Like there's just like, if it does happen, the internet might break. If Shohei gets traded. Oh Yeah. Yeah, that'll be the like, most. That is going thing. to be an all-time day online. Yes, yes, and I'm glad that I'm here for it. It's going to be insane. Um, if anybody wants to make a fan out of me, put Verlander on your team. I'll, I'll just say that. 
that was like the height of the Tigers that I can remember. I don't know if he'll get traded this year just because he's in year one of that new deal, but if I'm the Mets, like you're out of it. Like get recoup as much as you can for these old guys that you tried to go all in with. Yeah. And I hate the Mets, so I hate giving them advice, but if I was the Mets owner, uh multi billionaire Steve Cohen, that's what I would do. Um Deej, let's get into uh, the NL East and MLB run differential game. It's brought to you by our friends over at Wasted Wedge. A new age of golf has arrived, everyone. And if you're looking to be the talk and envy of your group and create memories with your friends and family, look no further than the lineup of Wasted Wedge products and merchandise. Casey texted me the other day, said they ordered one, and it came within a two-day period. So the shipping is quick. The product is elite. Uh, they're a blast to drink shots out of on and off the course, and you guys can check them out at WastedWedge.com or find them on Instagram, Facebook, and threads at WastedWedge. That's WastedWedge.com or on Instagram, Facebook, and threads. Be sure to follow them at WastedWedge. Remember that name, WastedWedge.com. Deej, let's get into it. As we do, it is the NL East run differential to kick things off. I'll read you the team. I'll give you their record. I'll give you their runs scored. You just have to determine what the run differential is looking like. I'll give you this hint too, as I give to our good pal, Pat Pitts. There are two teams in the NL East that have positive run differentials. Everyone else is negative. So we'll start with the first place Atlanta Braves. They're 62 and 33. They have scored 537 runs so far this season. Where do you think their run differential is sitting at? Plus 72. Uh, I'm going to have to ask you to do a little more addition because their run differential is plus 145. They are Jeez. slapping the ball around. Scoring yeah. runs left and right. And that's a big reason why they're almost 30 games over 500. <laughs> uh, yeah. Jeez. But. They keep losing games. The second place, that's right, everybody. The second place Philadelphia Phillies at 52 and 44 have scored 433 runs this season, the second most in the division. Where do you have the fight in Phil's run differential, Deach? Plus 34. I wish it was that. It's plus seven. Plus seven. But it's positive. We're staying in the positives, and that's what matters. That's what I'm matters. Getting, I'm getting closer. Exactly. Then we move to the dumbest team in all of baseball, the 53-45 and 45 Miami Marlins, who have lost six in a row, thankfully. They've scored 407 runs this year, which is the second fewest in the division. Now, I mentioned there were only two teams with positive run differentials. We've checked those boxes already. So, Deej, the 53-45 and 45 Miami Marlins, where do you have their run differential? Negative 27. It might as well be. Negative 17 for a team that is that many games over 500 is ridiculous. I was close. 10 off is not bad. But the last time I checked, they, they are a major league best in one-run games this season. So they are just pl playing above expectation in all facets because I'm going to give you their expected win-loss. They're 53-45 and 45 this year. The way they're playing and the way they're scoring and giving up runs, they should be, in their expected win-loss category, 47-51. and 51. 
Wow. Playing well above expectation. Thankfully, they've lost six straight, so they're coming back down to earth a bit. But let's move on to the Lowell New York Mets. 45-51 and 51 on the season. Seven games out of a wild card spot. They've scored 426 runs this year, which is the third most in the division. Where do you have their run differential? Negative 22. I wish, but I'm going to have you cut in half. It's negative 11, which is still hilarious because it's always lol Mets around here. Um, then moving to the basement, the stolen franchise, Washington Nationals at 38 and 58. They've scored 403 runs this year. So to put that in perspective, these, the Nationals are 20 games under 500 and have scored four fewer runs than the 53 and 45 Miami Marlins. Because baseball. Uh, Where do you have the Nationals run differential? Negative 19. Well, Deej, when you're 20 games under 500, you give up a lot of runs. They're at negative 105. Yikes. Now we'll make our way around. (laughs) Make our way around baseball. The worst run differential in the National League belongs to the Colorado Rockies at negative 146. Everyone else in the NL West has a positive run differential of 20 or more. Then we move to the stupidest division in the National League. It's the NL Central where only one team has a positive run differential, and it's not the team in first place. It's the third place 45-50 and 50 Chicago Cubs who have a plus 38 run differential. So Everyone weird. else is negative. So weird. That division is so weird. First place Brewers at negative 3. 52-46 and 46 Reds at negative 12. Dumb it, division. Such a weird division. But nothing is weirder than the American League Central. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Because the first place Minnesota Twins, who are 50 and 48, just two games over 500, have a plus 36 run differential. The 47 and 49 Cleveland Guardians have a zero run differential. And then we just free fall. The 44 and 52 York Detroit Tigers, who are still in the mix. They're only five games out of first place. Have a negative 77 run differential. The 41 and 57 Chicago White Sox have a negative 69 nice run differential. And then the Kansas City Royals, 28 and 70, have a negative 162 run differential, which is not the worst in all of baseball. I'm going to have you predict the Oakland A's run differential, Deej. They're the worst in baseball at 27 and 71. They have given up the most runs in baseball by a wide margin at 609 runs surrendered. What do you have their run differential at? Negative 217. You are pretty fucking close, my friend. Negative 256 is the answer. I tried to give them a little leeway. Ridiculous. 
everyone That's else so in that bad. division is in the positives, including the first place Texas Rangers, who I believe have the best run differential in all of baseball, plus 166. And then everybody in the AL East has a positive run differential, including the Tampa Bay Rays, who have been jumped by the Baltimore Orioles for first place in the AL East. But the Rays, plus 145 run differential to the Orioles, plus 47. Um, run differential is great. I've been seeing run differential tweets popping up on the timeline more and more. Just letting everybody know, Matt and I started calculating run differential as a true blue stat in baseball that should be accounted for over two years ago. So you're welcome. We normalized it. And now all the big talking head baseball pundits are talking about it because it truly shows how good or bad your team is unless you play in the Central Division in the American or National League. That's not true. We're not good. And we have a negative 77 run differential. The to Cubs show are it. five games under 500 and they have a plus 38. It's weird. That just means that they're losing really bad when they're losing and not winning by a lot when they're winning. <laughs> That's all that means. <laughs> Cleveland's two games under 500 and they're at zero. <laughs> I feel like holes. Hey, listen, that doesn't make sense because should they be 500? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Two games over 500 for the Twins and they're plus 36. Like, play better. (laughs) Get a grip. Yeah. But hey, hey, all I'm saying is my Tigers just need to win the division. That's our best chance at making the playoffs. Just win. Just go on a tear. Imagine they go on a tear and take over the division lead and get it. You should see me. You should see me when I get the scoreboard notice and they're winning. I'm like, yeah, yes. Another Tigers dub. Let's go. Or I look down and I'm like, no way. The Tigers won again. (laughs) What are the two reactions? There's no in between. Then there's the third of another Tigers L. That's hilarious. So there it is. That is your run differentials across the entire major leagues and the NLEs brought to you by our friends over at Wasted Wedge. Let's go from the diamond to the gridiron. Deej, it's brought to you by our friends over at Trophy Smack. Guys, Trophy Smack, there's no better way to upgrade your fantasy smack talk than with our friends over at Trophy Smack. Fantasy football season, believe it or not, it's right around the corner, which is disgusting to think about because I don't want my summer rushed, but you got to upgrade your fantasy smack talk. Our friends at Trophy Smack have rings, belts, obviously trophies, metal wall art. They just released a banner flag that says uh, fantasy football loser on it. Like, you can get last place punishments for your league. Go to trophysmack.com slash underground and upgrade your fantasy smack talk today. That's trophysmack.com slash underground to upgrade your fantasy smack talk. Deej, let's... Um, Let's let's get into this. We've done one of these baseball wise with Mr. Patty Pitts. We're going to do what they call the the old immaculate grid. Football style. We've got a football immaculate grid now. We're going to do it live on the screen here. So if you're not watching on YouTube, we highly recommend you do um, because you'll be able to see the grid and you won't just have to hear DJ and I talk about working our way through filling out this grid perfectly. Uh, so if you're not uh, watching, here's your grid. Going across the top, it's the San Francisco 49ers, the Minnesota Vikings, and then a one 
1,000-plus-yard receiving season. And then going vertically, it is the Philadelphia Eagles, the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Atlanta Falcons. I have a couple of these already off the off the dome. Did AJ Brown have a thousand yards this season? Yes, he did. Okay. Great call, AJ Brown. How you doing? Shout out to the Titans. Travis Kelsey. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Um. Julio Jones. I was going to say Roddy White. Oh, yeah, he works too. I forgot about him low-key. Um, Eagles, Vikings is obviously Donovan McNabb. Yep. That's an easy one. Um, Falcons, Vikings, Cordero Patterson. Yes. Um, Eagles 49ers, Terrell Owens. Ooh, I forgot about T.O. That's funny that T.O. and McNabb are next to each other. Um, and they don't have pictures for whatever <laughs> reason. Falcons, Falcons 49ers. 49ers. Chiefs, Vikings, Jared Allen. I'll never forget when he was on Sunday Night Football and introduced his school as the culinary school he went to. (laughs) Chiefs and 49ers. And Falcons, 49ers. There's Steve Young. Falcons, 49ers, Deion Sanders. That's what I thought, but I, I don't know why I thought I was tripping. Bang. I don't know why. Like, that came to my mind. I'm like, no, oh, he played for somebody else. Chiefs 49ers, Joe Montana. Okay. See, I was thinking of Steve Young, but Joe Montana is who came to mind. Boom. It should have. Yeah. Look at us. Look Too at us. Easy. easy. Too easy. Dub. Easy dub. Let's see. Possible answers. I like this. So, possible answers for Eagles 49ers. There's 92 players. That's crazy. Oh, Jeff Garcia. David Akers. We can't see the list. You can't. That's yeah, fun. I'm just scrolling through. But man. seeing if there's any notable ones. Uh oh, Michael Lewis, Jordan Matthews. And then there was 72 possible for Vikings, Eagles, 16 for the Eagles, and a thousand yard receipt. I wonder who isn't there. That's a low number. All right. So, your 1,000 yard receivers in Eagles history, there's actually 26 of them. A.J. Brown, who had the most receiving yards in a single season in Eagles history last year. Devontae Smith, Zach Ertz, Jeremy Macklin, Deshaun Jackson did it three times. 
Kevin Curtis did it in 2007. Legend. T.O. Irving Fryer did it twice. Fred Barnett did it twice. Mike Quick did it three times. Harold Carmichael did it three times. Harold Jackson did it twice. Ben Hawkins in 1967. Pete Retzlaff did it. Tommy McDonald did it twice. And then Pete Pihos did it. That's the impressive part here. Mike Quick... Er, sorry, here's the impressive part. Deshaun Jackson did it in 2010 in 14 games. He had 1,000 yards. Uh, and he did it in 15 games in 2009. T.O. did it in 14 games in 2004 and had 1,200 yards. Uh, Mike Quick did it in 14 games because that's when it was a 14-game season. Harold Carmichael and Harold Jackson... Ben Hawkins, Pete Retzlaff, Tommy McDonald all did it in 14 games. And then Pete P hosted it in 12 games. He had 1,000 receiving yards. That's that is wild. 12, that's out of yards game. That's crazy. There were 11 Kansas City Chiefs who had a 1,000-yard receiving season and then 14 Atlanta Falcons. Tony Gonzalez probably one of Oh, has to be. On both those teams. On both. Let's see. Tyreek Hill definitely did it for the Chiefs. Yeah, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. Jeremy Macklin did it for the Chiefs in 2015. Wow. I'm going to give you a blast from the past. Dwayne Bowe did it three times for the Chiefs. Eddie Kennison did it in 2005 for the Chiefs. Derek Alexander. Andre Risson. Stephon Page. Carlos Carson and Otis Taylor. Those oh. are all your Chiefs. No Tony Gonzalez. Oh, no, he did it. Oh, okay, okay. He did it. I was going to say. One, two, three. Three times. Four times. 2000, 2004, 2007, 2008. And then Atlanta Falcons, Kyle Pitts. In 2021, Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones did it a shit ton of times. Harry Douglas in 2013 did it. Uh, Roddy White, Terrence Mathis, Tony Martin, Burt Emanuel, Eric Metcalf, Andre Risson, Michael Haynes, Stacey Bailey, Alfred Jenkins, and Wallace Francis. wild so there you go you did a good job on that we're too nice with the immaculate grid we're too nice proud of us look at us who would have thought we did that's who would have thought i did my baseball one today and i got one of the players that was 0.2 percent used (laughs) i was like i'm so philly's pilled you're such a sicko (laughs) this is sick uh, on his Instagram, he kind of teased that he's potentially retiring to Sean Jackson. No, he an... did not. He did. That was not. He, he came he out did. and said it was not a retirement. You'll know when he's going to retire. I don't know. Pipe down. Pipe I don't down. Know, but... No, pipe down. Pipe down. In the it's grand okay. scheme of all things, I love D-Jack. He's one of my favorite players ever. Um, from an outside perspective looking in, is Deshaun Jackson a Hall of Famer? Yes. I agree. Yes. Like, he has multiple NFL records. 
If you're a record holder in the NFL in multiple categories, you have to be in the Hall of Fame. And there was just a point, there there was just a time where he was one of the top five most electric receivers in the NFL. Like that almost makes you a Hall of Famer already. Like to be electric as a wide receiver, you have to make plays. To make plays, you get yards, you score touchdowns, you make catches. Like so your your stats are naturally going to go up if you're an exciting receiver. And that's what he was. He was arguably the most exciting receiver for a three or four year span. Every time he went down the field, he was wide open and everybody went, how does that happen? And He's then he had the most his... iconic plays in NFL history. And he, he has happened... his kick returns. Right. Like I think he gets also... forgotten as a returner. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. Which because... he had the crazy one where the giants like shouldn't have kicked it to him. And they did. Anyway. Miracle at the Meadowlands technically part three, but it was announced as part two. And then the other like iconic NFL play that he has is that first Chip Kelly game on Monday Night Football against Washington, where he's just beats the defense and Michael Vick heaves it to him, and the Eagles score on the opening drive of the Chip Kelly era. Like, those are two of the most iconic and most memorable plays in NFL history, in my book, at least in my lifetime. Like, those are moments that I'll never forget. And like, Deshaun is just that dude. I I love him so much. Um, and I, I was laughing when people were tweeting about him potentially retiring and listing off all the teams he played for. I'm like, no, 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 no. He's just an eagle. Let, let's not let's not talk about the, the, when he w- had to go to Washington. Let's not talk about Tampa Bay. Get all that Ravens and Raiders nonsense out of here too. Get the, get out of here, Eagles. Also, Deshaun Jackson is in Eagles history iconic because he's. I'm going to I'm going to list this off for you Deej and your mind's going to be blown. Deshaun Jackson has caught a touchdown pass from the following quarterbacks in Eagles history. You ready for this? Donovan McNabb, Kevin Cobb, Nick Foles, Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts. Wait, what? Deshaun Jackson in his Eagles tenure has caught touchdown passes from the following quarterbacks. Donovan McNabb, Kevin Cobb, Nick Foles, Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts. So like everybody. From 1999 to 2023, Eagles quarterbacks. He's literally caught a touchdown from every Eagles quarterback in my lifetime. He caught a touchdown from every Eagles quarterback that like played for the Eagles in his career, pretty much. In my lifetime. L- literally my lifetime. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot when t- Michael Vick. Obviously. In my lifetime. I was born in 99. He has literally only... He's caught got drafted touch- in 2008, so he caught a touchdown pass from McNabb, Kevin Cobb, Michael Vick, Nick Foles, uh, Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts. The only one he missed was Sam Bradford for one season because he was in Washington. Oh, I forgot you guys did that to yourselves. Yeah, we we don't talk about that one, but it set us up to get Carson Wentz and then set us see, up with a Super see, Bowl. And this is set why, us up for Jalen Hurts. This is why they say Jalen Hurts is an Oklahoma quarterback. Because Oklahoma quarterbacks don't do well in the league. Find me one. He's proven it wrong. 
find me one. He's not. They don't call him an Oklahoma quarterback. They call him an Alabama quarterback. So find me an Oklahoma quarterback that does well in the NFL. I don't even know. See, you know I don't know college football like that. They're not good anyway. The most notable ones are Sam Bradford and Kyler Murray. Kyler's been okay. Yeah. Not not great, but he's been okay. I'm yeah, we just can... in my lifetime of. Uh, we can say okay. Kyler's definitely the best. Who's like a true Oklahoma quarterback? Um, since yep. like ever. Told <laughs> <laughs> you. Not including Jalen Hurts, obviously, because Jalen is better. Baker had like a year, but that was it. It's also very funny that the the Buccaneers promotional for the, the new uniforms was with Baker Mayfield. Um, man, they had some gross quarterbacks at Oklahoma. Bradford to yep. Landry Jones. That's a shame that somebody named Trevor Knight couldn't work out as a quarterback. That's because you have a wide receiver name, buddy. <laughs> Bingo. You should be catching balls, not throwing them. That's gross. Uh, speaking of Baker Mayfield and these jerseys, more uh, football content. We've gotten New Jersey reveals, and the Eagles one is probably shortly on the way uh, with the Kelly Greens, which everyone's going to lose their minds and everything. The Kelly Greens are fine. Like, they're cool. They're vintage. I'm not going to lose my mind about them. They they are they breed an era of losing uh, where the Eagles have won and gone to multiple Super Bowls in the current iteration of the Eagles jersey. So I am a true fan of those. Uh, but, Deej, we've gotten new jersey releases over the past few weeks, including a few today. Um, so I figured we could tier rank some of these. Now, the ones we've gotten, uh, I'll pull them up here so we have them. So today we got the new Colts jersey. That's not exactly a throwback, but it's a new jersey that they're wearing. Did you see that one? Yes. They got the black back the blue ones. <laughs> I'm screaming. The hoorah Hoosiers, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Those things look so bad. Somebody was mid. like they, they look like a team finna get ready to play an all American. I hate that they put that C with the Indiana thing on there because it's in the same spot as the captain's patch. What are we doing? We've gotten that. We've gotten the new Seahawks uh, throwbacks. We have gotten a tease to the Tennessee Titans Oilers throwbacks. That should be coming out this week. They posted a, a hype video of just oil pouring on a Titans jersey. Um, the Eagles throwbacks are on the way. We got the Creamsicle Bucks jerseys. Um, we got, what else did we get announced? There was another one. Oh, the most boring and plain <laughs> didn't even look like a throwback or switch up Minnesota Vikings. Um, and then we also got the Browns new like whiteout uniforms that they'll be wearing. 
Um, also, the Browns having a deal, no free ads, no free shoutouts. The Browns having an ad deal with Dude Wipes is hilarious. It is. It's like <laughs> perfect. It's it's two on the nose. They're brown. Um, <laughs> they stink. <laughs> so we have, in in terms of new uniforms that have been released, we have the Browns whiteouts. We have the Buccaneers cream schools, the Seahawks throwbacks, the Vikings classics is what they're calling them, which they don't look any different to me from the photos I've seen. Um, we have the uh, Colts as well. From best to worst, how are you ranking these jerseys? From best to worst? I think Creamsicle is number one. I think that's the top. There's something about the bright orange that goes with the red and the white that just looks really clean. Um, I think I like the Seahawks next as well. It reminds me a lot of old school Atlanta Hawks as well. Um, and I'm a very big fan of Shades of Blue. Very big fan of Shades of Blue. Um, uh, looking through it some. I think Browns may, Browns next. I think there's something about all white that just looks clean, especially when you look at some of their other other jerseys. I just think this is one of the cleaner looks they've had in a long time. As painful as this is to say, the Vikings are definitely not the worst on this list. So I I put them four, not too much different than what they have on every day. Um, and I don't really like purple, but the God awful Colts jerseys. I, I can't, these things are so bad. They're definitely the worst we've seen so far. Um, I think I have to go Seahawks one, even though in their promotional video, everything was great about it, except these, these are, these are their nineties, basically throwback uniforms. Okay. Did you see the promotional video that they put out to announce the jerseys? I great did. video, great set, everything was fantastic. The only issue I have, they used Jackson Smith Najigba as the player in the video for a promotional video about 90s throwbacks. Wait, were they the ones that had like the whole set with like the throwback like TV and like everything? Like the bedroom and TV and everything. Yeah. I saw like the start of that, but I didn't like watch it. Jackson Smith and Jigba was born in two thousand two. <laughs> yeah, but they gotta promote the rookie somehow. <laughs> That's the only part that I was like we were so close. Jackson never lived this life. 
<laughs> it's like you could have used Bobby Wagner. He's back. <laughs> <laughs> could have used DK Metcalf. No. Use the one kid that was born not in the '90s <laughs> for your '90s throwbacks. Love those jerseys though. They look even better than I could have even imagined. Um, the way they came out, the blue and that green look so good together. And then those silver helmets look great. So Seahawks are number one for me. Number two, um, probably have to go, uh, with the bucks, even though the, the pictures that they used did not look that great for them. Like they didn't like pop to me. They looked very like matte. And I was like, uh, I was kind of disappointed by just the visuals, uh, but I'm sure they'll look great on the field. Uh, number three. You know I hate white uniforms, but number three, I got to go to the Browns. Number four, I'm going to go with the, the Hoorah Hoosiers. Because I will say, even though the jersey's kind of wonky, I do like the black helmet. And then the number five, because it's like, what changed? I can't tell a difference between that or that. This or that is the Vikings. It just looks like their normal jersey to me. I don't know what changed about them. Nothing looks different. Um, it's, it's, it's like, it's it's like they went color. one shade of purple to the left on the, the color swatch. And changed the fabric. Yeah. That's, that's does nothing it. for me. I'm excited to and see the moved, Oilers. They move some of like the logos, but like they, it, yeah, nothing, does nothing, nothing for me. I'm excited to see the Oilers. I'm excited to see the Eagles. Um, we all obviously already have like the Dolphins throwbacks are beautiful. I think those are some of the best throwback uniforms in all sports. I like the, Patri- the Patriots. The Patriots are good. Um, the Dem- Denver Broncos. Should Denver one, good one. That one should be good. Um, the trying to think of other teams that have the Cardinals new uniforms that they released are god awful um the Packers are going to do a throwback and it's going to make me throw up the Bengals whiteouts are good mm-hmm. I'm a fan of those I don't know why everybody gushes over the Cowboys throwbacks that they typically wear on Thanksgiving they're so mid and boring um the Giants throwbacks are mid and boring Jets the Jets apparently have a Same throwback thing. coming too with the actual like Jet logo, which I'm intrigued to see. Um, trying to think of other teams that have throwbacks out. The Rams' new uniforms do nothing for me that they created when they went to LA. The numbers look like the the like gel frosting you put on a cake um but yeah let us know in the youtube comment section your favorite jersey uh unveiling so far and which ones you're looking forward to and why the creamsicle is the best so far or if you're a fan of the seahawks one or if you're just waiting for the eagles one to get released because we all know that one's going to be the best one let us know there we go. Kelly Green. <laughs> Kelly it drives Green. me nuts that people just like lose their minds over Kelly Green. Like it's nice. It's great like merch and everything. 
but the people that just like clamor hand and fist like we need to go back to the Kelly Greens. We need to go back to an era of losing you buffoons like get the fuck out of my face. We won yeah. nothing in Kelly Green. They don't care. Kelly Green is the era that defined loserdom. And that's not even a word, but I'm making it one <laughs> in Eagles history. Like we won nothing in Kelly Green. And I I also don't know if it's because like I'm a 90s baby and like I didn't experience Kelly Green at all. So it's like it has no sentimental value to me either. It just looks cool. Give me the current iteration of Eagles Green. Give me the blackout uniforms for the Eagles every day and twice on Sunday. Yeah, it's like the Pistons need to make a full change back to their old colorway. They brought the teal back. They used to just go back to the red and the white and just wear that colorway. Mm-hmm. Something maybe that's like too many what, teams in are, basketball adopted the red, white, and blue colorway, and it's gross. Maybe people are just saying that, like in that same stance point, like as like somebody who didn't really grow up watching that era of the Pistons, those jerseys looked the best. I mean, they were good, so like that helped, but like maybe people are just in that point, like we're already good, mm-hmm. so let's just bring the aesthetic back so that like we can make this aesthetic good. Like some some people really just want their team to look good, and I think that's kind of what it is. Like I could care like how people feel the colors like bring bad. Like I just want my team to look good, and, and yeah. I think that's where a lot of the Kelly Green comes from. Is like people think that's when they look the best. Although I think the all black is sick. Wow, that's one of the best blackout uniforms in all sports. So good, very very good. Like, the fact that the Pistons and the Wizards went to, like, red, white, and blue, like, the Wizards don't even have, a, like, a Wizard logo anymore, like, bad. Just bad. You wonder why they didn't win anything with John Wall and Bradley Beal. Well, the Pistons were already red, white, and blue. They actually, like, that's what they started with, and then they switched it up and went to the teal and, and like, darker red colorway, and, like, people loved it, and then they went back away from it. And the fact that they, like, eliminated for the longest time the actual Piston logo, and it's just, like, f- fucking volleyball. I mean, it is still eliminated. Like, they only use it when they wear the throwbacks. Which like, they so need to, dumb. one, bring that logo back, and then bring that jersey color, like, theme back as well. Like, that's just what the Pistons need right that's now. That's how we'll know nature is healing. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's how we know that that team's going to be ready to be good again, is when they bring that colorway back. Bully. Um, I'm also so sick and tired of the Sixers discourse on my Twitter timeline. It's brought to you by our friends at Tomahawk Shades, the best small batch eyewear in the game. You guys can go to TomahawkShades.com, fill up your car, get your sunglasses, your blue light glasses, prescription lenses, everything in between. And when you go to check out, use promo code USP for 25% off your order at TomahawkShades.com. That's TomahawkShades.com, promo code USP for 25% off at checkout. Um... Joshua Harris, officially the new owner of the Washington Commanders. He's totally he's totally locked in, Deej. Really concerned about a successful basketball team uh, on the court. Uh, because, you know, when, when you own the 76ers, the New Jersey Devils, and the Washington Commanders, you're, you're just – you're all in on bringing a fan base together. What a, what a dynamic trio of fandom, the Sixers, Devils, and Commanders. Um uh, the Joel Embiid comments thing, I'm so sick of that discourse where he was like, I want to win a championship, whether it's in Philly or anywhere else. I don't care. Like, he went on Twitter and went back to his antics. Like, 
read my middle name. Troel is his middle name on Twitter. Like, I don't care about these comments. It is July. I don't care about basketball right now. The Sixers are so far out of my zeitgeist in terms of like give it like me giving energy to them. I don't care. Like, they they'll exist when I'm ready for them to exist. And my expectations for them are ground zero because they have not given me any reason to believe that they deserve expectations. I'm not worried about them. The people that are like, it's getting to the point where people talking about the Sixers on my timeline, Deej, it's getting to those annoying levels of like football fandom where people are talking about football in like May when there's nothing to talk about, but they're trying to create conversation because that's all they know. And I'm just like, I need to mute you. Like, I'm so sick and tired of the off-season Sixers discourse in fucking July. There's a baseball team that's thriving right now. We're a couple weeks out of training camp for a team that just went to the Super Bowl. You have a soccer team that's performing extremely well that's currently at the All-Star break, but still, they're in third place in the Eastern Conference. Can we not be so hyper-fixated? That is one thing that drives me nuts about some of these people online. They hyperfixate on one topic and it makes me want to just laser etch my brain. I mean, but what else? It, that's the joy of the internet. People are like, oh, I can just like hammer away at this one thing and like then people agree with me or like then people pay attention to it. And it's like, that's not how this works. It's not how the internet works either. Um, and... I do think it's kind of way too early to even panic about anything with the 76ers. Like give Nick nurse his time to come in and like set up his camp and, and ask for certain things and give the front office time to make it happen. Like there's a, there's a process to these things. And I think people are like rushing everything. I see what you did there process. Yeah. Like I, I do not care about basketball stuff and roster construction in July for a sport that does not start in my brain until December. So not, not concerned. Um, we talked about it when it, when the news dropped a couple weeks ago, are you excited for the in season tournament for the NBA? Maybe, maybe, you're, I don't know. Your Pistons and my Sixers are in the same group. It's it's just weird. I don't think I don't know what kind of incentive there really is for it. I think it's cool. Like when I read all the details about it, it's like it's still the regular season games. It's just on Tuesdays and Fridays from this day in November to this day in December are tournament games. So there's like elevated purpose to them, and then um, for for it's... the for the reason of the tournament, like they're. Like you, if you win your group, you advance to the knockout round of the tournament and everything. And then December 9th to the 11th in Vegas is the semifinal and the final. And the players on those teams get a monetary incentive. You win the NBA Cup. It's very similar to like what soccer does with Champions League, just on a much lower degree because soccer has the history of it all. And for. Yeah. For people that know us, it's very much like the championship series, just the championship series and the PLLs in the offseason. It's it's the NBA's way, because like I said, NBA in my brain doesn't turn on until at the earliest December. It's the NBA's way of making those games in October to 
Christmas mean something. So that people I, are just like, oh, the NBA doesn't start until Christmas. That's what I mean, it doesn't. Do. It doesn't. And, but that's and what they're trying won't. to do with this. Is like, And it still won't because the players aren't going to make enough money off that incentive and they're not going to care enough to treat those games like they mean something. Like, NBA players are weird. In a how sense much money, that like... I'm just saying, how much money do you think they're going to make off that, though? I don't know if That they... little bonus. Like, it, there's no way they're cutting, like, a big check to these guys for winning this new in-season tournament. Like, it's, like, probably, like, 250K. Like, uh, so the, each player on the check. winning team takes home half a mil. And then that, players on the like second-place team each get 200K. And then players on the losing semifinal teams will get 100K each, and the quarterfinalists get 50K each. See, like, some of that is, like, game day pay for some of, for most of these guys. The winning I mean, team, the winning team, like, eh. That's kind of nice. Argue. Get, get a nice yeah. little half a million dollar check, you know. Extra, right. But, like, after that, the season. But it's right like. Around, right around Christmas time, that's your gifts. Man, it gives Ben bought. They they wife or their girlfriend Ben bought everybody. Not, gifts. not the thirteenth player on the bench though. <laughs> I they still got more money this, than me and you. This is just the uh, the hypothetical. Like if the Sixers win, Montrez Harrell got his Christmas gifts covered. <laughs> I mean, his Christmas gifts is covered. He got more money than me and you combined. Still, he been paid saying, them Christmas. He gifts. Ain't, he getting a did nah. not play coach's decision. <laughs> Now his send the family on a vacation for Christmas. Now that is now covered. <laughs> the gifts are Turkan already covered. is sending all the gifts to Turkey and his family. Yeah, he, Phil, you know Philip how, Petrosev coming over. He's about to send his whole family. He's he's gonna buy his family a yacht. You know how quick Jokic is gonna make it back to Serbia <laughs> with that money. Jokic about to buy another horse. What you mean? Oh, He's going to buy a horse that, that can walk on water so he can get to Serbia quicker. You know how many pairs of shoes P.J. Tucker is going to buy with that much money? <laughs> Do you know how many pairs of shoes that man is going to have? If he gets a $500,000 That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one right there. If you know, you know. And if you, you know don't know, how many know, tacos LeBron going to buy if the Lakers win? Right, <laughs> man. How many adult film stars? Do you know how Zion's many? Do you know how many dancers are going to get paid if the Sixers win and James Harden is still on this roster? You know how many of Zion Williamson's baby mamas are going to be paid off? They ain't going to get paid the off. They're going to get win. flown out. We just yeah, gotta make got sure. Well, he, he he'll be suspended, so he can't get the money. But that's a good thing. So Jock can't buy any more guns. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a yeah. good thing. Mm-hmm, See, Adam mm-hmm. Silver was was thinking ahead, and suspending Jock for twenty five games eliminates him from playing in the in season tournament. Smart man. That's that's, that's playing four D chess. Did you see the tweet too? You're gonna laugh at this. Fred I don't Van think so. Fred Van Vliet is wearing number five for the Rockets. 
someone said, I need this to have a deeper meaning. Like, the six lost a real one. <laughs> I said, if that ain't a Drake lyric, I, I don't know what is. <laughs> it is going to be. <laughs> Man, that boy Fred left the six and put on five. We lost a real one. <laughs> I'm screaming. I can't wait to hear that in a song. <laughs> you know how many you, you fat know. suits James Harden's going to buy with this 500K? Not a fat suit. I'm screaming. It's crazy. Um, Shall we get to the new fun ending segment? It's brought to you by our friends over at Kenwood Beer. It's Brink Bonk Bump. Guys, Kenwood Beer now available in Pittsburgh. So not just in Philadelphia, now going across the state. Uh, the Gold Top Kenny's now available for the Yinzers. Shout out to my boy Wes Euler. Uh, smooth, clean, and bright with taste to boot. Kenny's the routine choice of folks who want a balanced, flavorful, no-frills beer that's right for any occasion. Some call it the best light beer they've ever had. We just say you can't beat the original. 4.1% ABV, 120 calories, just 8 grams of carbs. Go to KenwoodBeer.com. Use the all-new and improved Kenny Tracker. See who's got Kenny's on tap all across Pennsylvania. See where you can buy at your local Philadelphia area liquor stores. Check out their merch as well. KenwoodBeer.com. Got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. Deej, it's Brink Bonk Bump. I gave you kind of a premise here. Uh, so, Brink, who was money this week? Could be anybody of your choice. Bonk is who's horny, who's who's got to tone it down and get bonked by the by the baseball bat. And uh, bump is somebody who's who's got to take a seat. You gotta you gotta take ride the bump and and sit down for a little bit. Uh, I'll start with your brink. Who is your brink of the week? My brink of the week is the lacrosse community. We have come up huge this week. Um, we're getting the all-star game, Rising Stars versus Veterans, for the first time since 2005, and it may become a staple moving forward. Um, I think that game's going to be electric and is and is coming at a time where we just got done with Worlds not too long ago, and, and lacrosse is just in a really good space. But also, rule change goes into, the, into effect almost immediately. Review is now available for crease plays in, in NCAA men's lacrosse. And I, I would assume that's probably going to extend to women's lacrosse as well, to be honest. Um, but that's huge, especially after what a lot of Philadelphia fans saw last year that, that are into lacrosse with Penn State and them losing at Lincoln Financial due to um, a very controversial play. So that's that's a huge win for not only coaches and players at that level, but but fans of all levels. My brink of the week. I just had it. Where did it go? Um, ba, 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 ba. I have to find it here. Oh, Athletes Unlimited started for women's too. I almost forgot about that. Oh, my brink of the week is uh, it's Barbenheimer. Barbie Oppenheimer week. Uh, 
it is proving that the unintentional cross-promotion marketing for those two movies worked. They're both expected to just perform astronomically at the box office. Uh, obviously, uh, we stand in solidarity with Screen Actors Guild, Writers Guild of America. Uh, give them what they deserve. Um, so this is not a paid promotion whatsoever. But like the fact that that double feature is on the table to go and do as a, a form of entertainment. Also, Deej, I'm pissed that we were too young to even realize that in 2008, we had a very similar Christopher Nolan involved potential double feature that walked so Barbenheimer could run. In 2008, do you know what movies came out on the same day? Mama Mia and The Dark Knight. Really? Mama Knight walked so Barbenheimer could run. <laughs> Mama Knight screaming. <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm a fan of Barbenheimer. Um, I'm that Did weird you know guy that, that you you have one of the movie theaters near you that you need to go see Oppenheimer at? Yeah. Yeah, it's the, the one 70, that I go to. The 70 millimeter IMAX. It's the it's the one I go to every Tuesday. That is my favorite movie theater in all of the land. Did you know <laughs> there are only 19 70 millimeter IMAX movie theaters in the United States? And there are and only we, 30 in the world? And we have one of them. There's one in, in King little, of Russia that's right here. Little near old me. Kalamazoo. Unbelievable. So, yeah, I definitely plan on seeing Oppenheimer and IMAX. I, I wish they were showing Barbie and IMAX. You know how much fun that would be? <laughs> you know how much fun that would be? I'm excited to see those movies. Um, I say I'm probably going to see them both. I think that's a fantastic yeah. I feel like feature. I have to do the double feature. Like, it's just something that has been so hyped up that, like, I feel like I'd be left out if I didn't do it. And, and I'm probably going to go on a Tuesday. Our boy Stevie Mac is going on a Tuesday. Did I tell you this story? No. So he's he's doing date night because he's got five dollar movie uh, smart man tickets and yep. everything on yep. Tuesdays. Smart man. They are going to Barbie at around five, I believe, or five thirty. Then they're doing a quick little uh, fast food uh, dinner. When he booked the tickets, our boy Stevie Mac did not realize that Oppenheimer's a three hour movie. Their Oppenheimer showtime is 9 o'clock p.m. on a Tuesday. <laughs> no. He's going to be experiencing the atomic bomb exploding at midnight. <laughs> like it's fucking New Year's Eve. But Three, that's going to be. Two. That's going to be me. One. It's going to be me with Barbie. <laughs> Would I go in at like 9 to watch Barbie? He's I'm probably be up until two thing. in the morning discussing Christopher Nolan recreating the atomic bomb for a movie with his girlfriend, which is so sick. It's hilarious. So sick. See, so he needs to tell his movie theater to step their game up and get some some food in it, because I'm not leaving for dinner. I, I mean, might, right there. In the I theater. might do the because it adds up to being like six hours of of actual movie time. So I might do Barbie as like a matinee, and then. Go do Oppenheimer later, or vice versa. However, I'm feeling that day. If I'm feeling, if I'm feeling fun, I might end with Barbie. If I'm feeling like I need, I need to just be locked in. 
and and dialed to the most loaded cast ever and watch a bomb go off. I might do Oppenheimer late. Who knows? Um, Deej, your bonk of the week. Who's who's been horny and needs to simmer down and get bonked? It's Antonio Brown. <laughs> After him getting on Twitter and going, let me get next to Adam22, I said, man's is on one. That is hilarious. AB gets DJ's inaugural bonk. My bonk of the week. I feel like you've seen these popping up on the timeline. You're also a, a, a TikTok person. My bonk of the week is Pinky Doll. These NPC videos <laughs> and the people in those comments, including Timbaland, I'm pretty sure, who was one of the highest bidder donators on one of her streams. <laughs> Those videos need to go away. They they need to be bonked because they are way too horny online. It also came out that she's like 27 and not 19. Pinky Doll's my bonk of the week because it just needs to be stopped. Needs to be stopped. Uh, Deej, who is riding the bump for you this week and, and just needs to take a seat? Dan Snyder. I just don't like him as a person. And I also don't like people that are somehow able to do very little work and still make a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also, that's like the worst franchise in all of the NFL. Outside of the Bears, because I just hate the Bears. And but my, my NBA team's owner owns that team now. Fucking hell. Um, my bump of the week. Taking a seat, because he's actually taking a seat, and he's got option to AAA. It's Derek Hall from the Philadelphia Phillies. Your nickname is Long Ball Hall, my, my guy. You're tearing it up at AAA. You get called up, and the long ball just does not show up. You got to take a seat. That's why you're getting sent down to AAA. Derek Hall gets my bump of the week uh, because the long ball just disappeared, and you can't have that when your nickname is Long Ball Hall. So DJ's Brink Bonk Bump is the lacrosse community, Antonio Brown and Daniel Snyder. Seeing those in no context is a wild thing. Uh, and I'm going with Barbenheimer, Pinky Doll, and Derek Hall. Hashtag bars. So those are our Brink Bonk Bump of the Week, and that's going to do it for this episode of Underground Sports Philadelphia. Make sure you guys are following us on the socials, Twitter, Instagram, threads, TikTok, at UndergroundPHI. Follow Deej on Twitter at SCS underscore next great. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Subscribe to the podcast feed on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We are there. Leave a five-star rating and review. It goes a long way for helping this show continue to grow, helps more people find our network, and lets us do really dope shit that we want to do with you guys. So go subscribe. Subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel as well, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. As we are sitting here, we are currently at 516 subscribers. Need to get to 1,000. 
before September 4th. Otherwise, DJ's booking a one-way flight to Alaska, and we don't want that to happen. So go subscribe. Be a friend. Tell a friend. Let's get to 1,000 subscribers, guys. Come on. Let's get there. We're also very close, Deej, to partial monetization on the channel. Very close, which means okay. Okay. more live streams with what we're able to do with the partial monetization could be on the way. So subscribe, watch the video, smash the like button, ring the bell icon, comment down below your Brink Bonk Bump of the Week, your tier rankings of these new NFL jerseys, and anything else Deej and I discussed on this episode. Also, we're presented by the City of Vineland. And the City of Vineland Municipal Calendar features city-organized, city-sponsored, and city-affiliated events that are of public interest. And hopefully, hopefully soon, hashtag up to something season will be on the City of Vineland Municipal Calendar. Uh, the calendar, which is accessible at vinelandcity.org, is a good way for residents and visitors to build awareness, remain engaged with city government, and participate in local events. You can also follow the City of Vineland on social media via their Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube pages. Through these tools, you can stay connected to the community and get important announcements about programs and services offered by the city. Vineland, New Jersey, where it's always growing season. Big thank you to Security 21 Security Systems and Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated for their continued support of this podcast. And get your merch at PHI Apparel Company. Use code UNDERGROUND for 10% off at phiapparel.co on any merch orders. This has been episode number 552 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. For Deej, I'm KB. We'll be back this weekend, myself and Patty Pitts, and then hopefully on Wednesday live once again with the man, the myth, the legend, the Italian job himself, Matty Castarina, back in the seat. But until then, we're getting the heck up out of here, and we are signing off. Peace. Peace. I'm looking for the